Hello and welcome to the Can Do MS podcast. My name is Mandy Rorig, physical therapist and senior programs consultant at Can Do MS. I'll be your host today for this special episode just for Can Do Month. Can Do Month is made possible thanks to the support of Sanofi Genzyme and other generous sponsors. Throughout September, we celebrate Can Do Month in honor of our founder and Olympic ski medalist, Jimmy Hugo. When Jimmy was diagnosed with MS, his doctors advised him to avoid physical activity because it was thought that exercise would exacerbate his symptoms. But as a high caliber athlete, he rebelled against his prescribed sedentary lifestyle and Jimmy began developing his own program consisting of exercise, nutrition, and mental motivation. It improved his overall physical and emotional health as well as his outlook on his life with MS. In 1984, he founded the Jimmy Huga Center for Multiple Sclerosis, now known as Candu MS. He spent years sharing and teaching the principles that transformed his own life from one of uncertainty to one of an active pursuit of personal health and well-being. Today, the whole person philosophy and approach that Jimmy pioneered in 1984 is acknowledged within the MS community as a standard of MS care. I am honored to welcome two board members as our guests for today's episode. A special welcome to Blaze Huga and Tyler Hamilton. Thanks for joining us. Many of us knew Jimmy. I was personally fortunate to know him professionally but you two certainly have unique perspectives. You knew Jimmy much differently, much more personally. Blaze as his son and Tyler as his dear friend and fellow professional athlete. We are pleased that both of you are here to help share Jimmy's story and help us celebrate Can Do Month. Welcome. Blaze, I wanna start with you first. Um, Just tell us a little bit about your dad. Tell us about um, maybe one of your earliest memories that you had with him. When we were very young, I was probably about four or five, and he was fairly disabled at the time, um, kind of going from a walker to a wheelchair. But he would still always drive us to school. And I just remember, you know, my mom would load us up into the back of uh, his van at the time. And then she would go and help lift him into the driver's seat. And I remember just kind of looking at my brothers like, you know, he can't walk very well and he's about to drive us to school. And so we used to uh, kind of giggle about that. That's always a memory that I like looking back on. And we always enjoyed those car rides together at a very young age. And then another memory, there is this bridge, it was underneath I-70 right by our house and our dad had a four wheeler and he would always uh, tie some sleds to the back of the four wheeler and kind of whip us around the neighborhood. Then we would go down to the bridge and kind of scream underneath the bridge and we got a really good echo. And so those are kind of two of my earliest memories of my dad. Those are great memories. Mm -hmm. So Blaze, did, did you only know your father when he had MS? because he was diagnosed well before you were born, correct? Correct, yeah, that's correct. I can imagine kids flying on a four, behind a four-wheeler. I bet that was pretty awesome when you were young. 
Yeah, we loved it. I think it kind of implemented our adrenaline addiction. Um, yeah. And, you know, our, our dad had a lot of that. So, you know, certainly Apple didn't fall far from the tree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So tell us a little bit about how you did become aware that your dad had MS. It sounds like it was part of your of your day-to-day life when he mm-hmm. drove you to school in the mornings you were aware that he had some challenges yeah it, you know i can't really remember any particular discussion as i mentioned in the first story i could tell that my dad was disabled from a very young age i knew that he had ms um and we discussed it a lot as a family uh, but there really wasn't a particular discussion or age that i recall it just kind of seemed something that, that we understood as a young age was going to be there for the rest of his life. But he didn't really focus on the disease itself. He focused on you know what he could do, which is exactly what we're doing with this foundation. He never you know really felt bad for himself or told the negative sides of, of what was going on with his disease. He really was very consistent with focusing on you know, there, there's really nothing that, that he couldn't accomplish if he really set his mind to it. I love hearing that you were seeing and experiencing Jimmy's can-do spirit from a young age. Thank you, Blaze, for sharing. Tyler, I want to pull you into the conversation. Thank you so much for being here. Well, first, yeah, and it's really special to be you know, on this podcast and talking about, about Jimmy. He was just an incredible individual. As you can see here, I've got goosebumps just talking about him. Can you talk us through your earliest experiences with Jimmy and how you first met him? Yeah, I met him in the fall of 2004. I, uh, you know, I was a ski racer growing up. You know, I was born in 1971. So I, he and Billy Kidd were uh, the first Americans to win Alpine medals. Uh, it was what, in Innsbruck in 1964. Billy Kidd won silver and Jimmy won bronze. I grew up in a skiing family, so I knew about Jimmy, yeah, well before I ever met him. My dad was a huge fan of his. And uh, yeah, I got to meet him in, um, I guess to go back a little bit, I I started working on the fight against MS in 1997, um, actually through cycling. And finally our our paths um, crossed in in the fall of 2004. I was going through a really hard time in my life and I met Jimmy and man, you know, he had a lot to maybe complain about, but I didn't feel that one bit. He was very positive. He was just light up a room without even having to say anything. Very positive attitude. And it was really into just exercise and activity, you know, even though he really couldn't use, you know, the bottom half of his body at the time. And uh, yeah, take him out on bike rides. I remember one time, you know, he, he lived at a, in a full care facility just outside of Boulder, Boulder, Colorado, where I was living. And I went, went there one time to help to go out and take him for a bike ride, a, a hand cycle. And he had already been out water skiing that, that earlier that morning. And, you know, and that was the first thing I was doing all day. And he was out in Boulder Reservoir on, on like a kneeboard. And uh, I, said, I said, Jimmy, you know, what happens when you fall? And he would, he would just tip over and be looking at the bottom of the Boulder Reservoir until the boat turned around and someone jumped out to flip him back over. And, um, you know, yeah, he was an adrenaline junkie right up to the end, right up yeah. to the end. And, uh, <laughs> you know, to see him, you know, go down a hill on his hand cycle, 
with the wind blowing through his hair with a big smile on his face. It was just, it was priceless, priceless. So yeah, I, I knew him the last six, seven years of his life and yeah, super special times. I think about him all the time. You know, what would Jimmy do? I tell him, I ask myself a lot. What would Jimmy do? Yeah, so cycling brought you, brought you to MS brought you to the community of multiple sclerosis as just right. a fundraising effort. But Jimmy brought you brought you into can do MS and to the mentality and the thinking around exercise, wellness, um, determination above and beyond determination like none other, it sounds like. I like that um, Jimmy had already been water skiing and he was just picking you up for a light cycling ride at the end of his at the end of his workout. That's great. So you touched a little bit about kind of what connected you and what drew you to Can Do MS. Clearly, it was Jimmy's like aura and the presence about him. But was there something about the organization and about how he led that and the leadership that Can Do MS has that really? attracted you and really made you committed and dedicated it as much as Jimmy was to can-do. Yeah. I mean, I would say it was, you know, it was his, his can-do spirit that eventually kind of filtered down through the whole organization, you know, what's there, which is there today. It's like, you know, you do what you can do and, you know, you keep a positive attitude, you know, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off every day and you, and you do what you can do. You, you go through, you work hard, you know, you stay active, you exercise, you take good care of your body, you know, you live a, a happy and healthy life. Um, you know, that that just has you know taken over the whole organization. It, it's awesome. It's awesome to be around the group of people working there. They breathe Jimmy. They breathe Jimmy. And it's uh it's awesome. I feel I feel lucky to be involved and lucky to have known him. Yeah, lucky for a lot of things. You mentioned, Tyler, that there are times when you think, what would Jimmy do? Uh, there are circumstances when maybe things are challenging for you personally or professionally or whatever it might be. Can you, would you mind sharing an example of a time when you said to yourself, what would Jimmy do? And you really channeled his energy and his inspiration to, to make a decision, to make a choice. And I'll give you a moment to think about that. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just about, you know, responding in, you know, in a difficult situation, maybe taking that extra five or 10 seconds, take a few deep breaths and, and respond the way Jimmy might respond, you know, he, I never saw him lose his cool, like he was always very positive and sometimes he would sit there and think for a few moments before he would, uh, you know, talk to you or respond to you and um, yeah, I try to do that, I'm not as, I'm, you know, I'm still learning, but you know, Jimmy was really good at that. Blaze, what about you? I mean, many of us have things um, that our parents have told us over the years that resonate, that will carry us through in difficult times. Are there any moments where you hear your dad's voice? It helps to guide you to make a decision or to think differently or live differently. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the greatest part of my dad's legacy is that he was given a diagnosis that he needed to pretty much stay dormant and give up all of the passions in his life. And the best thing he ever did in his life is ask why and question experts, which isn't always the right thing to do, but sometimes is. And he challenges the norms of our society and allows us to think in a different way and act in a different way and create a 
a better world. And so whenever I'm faced with adversity or, you know, kind of question the, the culture, the norms that, that we've all been raised with, um, I do think about how he would, he would think through that situation and see if there's a, a different way to look, um, you know, at, you know, life in general, um, situation specifically, whatever it may be. And uh, I, I think that has brought a lot of enlightenment to my life um, and inspiration to keep an open mind. So I'm, I'm very grateful for those lessons that he provided to us. An open mind, endless determination. Those are certainly life skills that and, and can be valuable regardless of career path, regardless of life path. But uh, it was Jimmy, also- yeah, Jimmy was just an incredible leader. I wish, you know, I wish everybody could have met him. You know, incredible leader, but didn't always have to do it with his voice. You know, a lot of times it was, he had this uh, presence about him that was just, just incredible. I can imagine, Tyler, for you especially, like the opportunity to meet your idol. Is that okay? Is that okay yeah, to describe yeah, yeah, yeah. it? Like, yeah, and my dad's as well. My dad got to meet him. The, the first time I met Jimmy, my dad met him as well. He was over the moon. Blaze, how does that make you feel when you hear about how your dad has touched Tyler's life, but also the lives of many other people? Yeah, I mean, it's the same way that I feel about him. I have so much admiration for how he conducted himself um, when he could have been, you know, a total sob story. And, um, you know, what he does for other people, he, he did for us as well, um, as did my mom. And so, I, you know, I feel very blessed to be their son. And um, I just have so much respect for, for what he's done um, for himself, for the foundation and for other people. It's, uh, I never get sick of hearing it. So it's, it's a great feeling. Uh, Tyler, I was wondering, if you recall the first time hearing about my dad um, and or what triggered you to reach out or connect um, and get involved. Yep. I, uh, you know, I grew up a ski racer uh, back in the East Coast. I grew up in Marblehead, Massachusetts, and um, we, were, we were weekend warriors. We'd drive the car up to New Hampshire every Friday night and ski on the weekends. I became a ski racer young following my brother's footsteps and yeah at a young age I heard about Jimmy Hugo and, and Billy Kidd you know they were the first Americans to to win Alpine medals first yeah and um so yeah I knew about I knew about him probably since I was I don't know eight or nine years old uh ski racing was my you know true love uh and yeah I, I followed all, all all the all the big ski racers who from the past in the present and and uh he certainly was one of them and then that you know but you know i knew he he suffered with ms but i didn't really know anything about the disease and then in 1997 i was a professional cyclist at this point uh my agent his mother-in-law was diagnosed with ms and he he asked me to go do a ride south of austin you know to to get back to the, the fight for ms and, and the rest is history. That that day, you know, I, I met people with MS whose husband or wife had MS, whose coworker had MS, whose brother or sister had MS, and, and you know, everyone was in a different battle. And from that point on, I was like, I need to give, you know, for as long as I live, I need to 
get back to this, to, to the fight against MS. And, uh, and then I started my own foundation, I think in the, around the year 2000. And then, and then uh, the executive director of the foundation was one of the uh, linking members to link us together there at, uh, there with Jimmy. It was also that with the help of Richard Rokos, the CU ski team head coach. And, uh, Richard was a huge fan. Richard did so much, so much for Jimmy. He loved Jimmy dearly. Um, I remember uh, Richard, he helped set up uh, Jimmy's van that he had there outside of Boulder with a little like, crane so it could help lift him in and lift his uh, hand cycle into the back of the, uh, the minivan. Mm -hmm. which made it a lot easier for that. Yeah, that was all thanks to Richard Broco. So, yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I've known him for, or I knew about him for a long time and then finally I got to meet him and, you know, that was, I felt very lucky. Awesome. I don't think I ever heard that story before. Yeah. Uh, what was he like as a skier place when you skied with him? I heard he's pretty fearless. Yeah, I mean, um, he was mostly in a sit ski when I saw him skiing, but I, I do remember this one time he had a guy that was gathering him and my brothers and I would kind of you know, shelter around him so that other skiers wouldn't run into him. But one time a skier did cut him off and um, he tipped over, he rolled pretty good. And, you know, my brothers and I, we were furious. And, uh, you know, I think a couple of us went and chased after the guy and were screaming at him. And then we kind of hiked back up to my dad and he's just laughing. And uh, we, we were so confused. And he pretty much just said, there's no better day than a, a day on the snow. So he loved it. It was uh, everything he wanted to do. And even late in life, he still had that passion, which is great. So he was a crazy person. He loved falling. He loved um, going fast. It didn't matter. He loved yeah. all. Tyler, I have another question for you, if you're willing to speak to this. I know you faced a lot of challenges when it came to your cycling career. I am curious how Jimmy might have influenced you during that time. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I went through a lot in my cycling career. Yeah, my life, you know, went from winning gold medal to whatever a month later, you know, finding out I had a positive doping test, and my life kind of falling out right from underneath me, like straight down. And like, luckily, uh, maybe a month later, I meet Jimmy. You know, so maybe. You know, Maybe it was meant to be, but he really helped me get through some hard, hard times for sure. And it kind of me after meeting him forced me to kind of take a few steps back and like look at the big picture and like and really be be thankful for there's there was a lot to be thankful for for sure, for sure. And I knew if I just um, kept chugging along, like things would improve. And you know, if Jimmy can do it, I can do it, right? So. So yeah, it was great. I felt very lucky, very lucky. And I met him at the like, perfect time in my life. So, you know, it sounds a little bit selfish, but, and then we just be, slowly became friends and it was just, it was great. It was great. We had a lot of fun together. We laughed a lot together. Yeah, he was great. Like he bombed down these descents and sometimes I think, oh, he's going to flip over on this turn. Sometimes I feel like he was on just on one wheel. He had a big, like whether he wiped out or not, he, he always had a big smile on his face, so. Yeah, that's yeah. what I remember about him too, was his smile. If Jimmy were here now, and you've expressed a couple of different times during our conversation that you wish Jimmy were here, that you wish that Jimmy, um, you could still talk to him. Can you just share, if you were here now in this conversation with us today, what would you like to tell him? What would you 
Oh man, I mean, I tell them I love him and that I miss him for sure. That's the start. And just, you know, thanks for all the inspiration. Thanks, I'm so grateful to have known him and taken all these lessons from him. And I could give him a big hug. Glace, what about you? If you, um, I'm sure you talk to your father in your mind all of the time and you hear his voice guiding you many times throughout your day. What, um, what would you like to share with him if he were able to join us today? Yeah, I mean, one of the last things that uh, he ever asked of me is that that I stay involved with the foundation here. And so I, I suppose if I got to see him again, I would, you know, thank him for the the inspiration and the courage and the opportunity to uh, to do something bigger than myself. And. CanDoMS has certainly evolved into that. What do you think uh, Jimmy would think of CanDoMS and how it has evolved today, all of these years later and all of these lives that the organization has impacted? What would he say to that? Well, I, I think he would be pretty happy. I think there, there's a large part of the organization he wouldn't recognize, and I say that in a positive way. Um, the direction that we as a board and as you know the the employees have decided on is incredible it is much more expansive than what i believe it used to be and uh i i believe it does a, a great job of focusing on uh long-term connection to people and families that that are dealing with ms um, a more holistic approach is always something that he would have wanted and I think he would be pretty surprised, um, specifically with the technology that is, is going up on um, all over the world, specifically with CanDo. I think he would be pretty surprised and uh, delighted with the progress that, that we've made. Yeah, I, I, the word that comes to my mind is, yeah, I think you'd be proud, yeah, you'd be proud. I think Jimmy would be incredibly proud of both of you and how you have helped lead CanDo MS to become what it is today. Thank you again so much for joining us and for helping to continue his legacy. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the CanDo MS podcast. I'm your host, Mandy Rorig. Thank you for joining us. I'd also like to give a special thanks to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. Special thanks to EMD Serona, Novartis Pharmaceuticals, Sanofi Genzyme, and Genentech.